We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob Frantz. And a good morning to you. Indeed, it is always right. Always right. Never left. Always right and not wrong. On AM 1420, The Answer. we got a lot of very important stuff to discuss with you on this Monday, the 21st morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2022. I hope you had a great weekend. We've got a very important week coming up here. Coming up today on the program, you're going to want to be here for Jim Jordan at 935. A lot of very important stuff to discuss with the uh, uh, rank member of the House Judiciary Committee and our fourth congressional district representative. He is uh, fired up, to say the least. Congressman Jordan is fired up, to say the very least. He's going to talk to us uh, about what's going on in Ukraine. He's going to talk to us about Russian disinformation accusations and the laptop from hell, which is finally coming back to uh, what's finally resurfacing. It may not be coming back to do anything. It's probably way too late for it to have any impact whatsoever, but we're going to talk about that with uh, uh, with Jim Jordan. We're also going to talk about the uh, media's role in burying relevant information about a candidate that they favor in an election and what can be done to stop such things from happening again. We're even going to ask him about the NCAA swimming championships. And if you're wondering why, well, you haven't been paying attention. There's a good reason we're asking him about the NCAA swimming championships. So Jim Jordan at 9.35. Then at 10.10, Mike Gibbons, candidate for Senate, who's in the news for more than just campaigning after an event on Friday night, um, a campaign event, a Senate panel. You know about it by now, I'm sure. 
he had a moment uh, with Josh Mandel. These are the two front runners. Gibbons is leading in the polls. Mandel is second. The two front runners in the upcoming um, Senate primary. And uh, it got a little bit heated, to say the least. If you did not see it or hear it, you have not been paying attention. It's everywhere. It's viral. But we're going to talk to Mike Gibbons about that coming up and more. We'll ask him about his uh, thoughts on what's going on, what some of the Senate decisions that are being made are now. Today, beginning the uh, the uh, confirmation hearings of Katanji Brown-Jackson. So this is a very interesting uh, conversation we'll have with Mike Gibbons. And then at 1035, we bring Kenny Hsu back to our program. Uh, Kenny is one of my favorite people to talk to, and we'll get into that coming. I'm sorry, not 1035. Beg your pardon. That's the top of hour number three. Got to get used to that. This is our second week now of being a three-hour show. Uh, we'll talk to him at 1110, so I'll save some of that for that point in time. So those are your guests, Jim Jordan, Mike Gibbons, Kenny Shu. Very much looking forward to talking to all of them today. Uh, I welcome you to join us whenever you're ready at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either of those numbers gets there, gets you here, rather. Uh, I want to say this before we do our pledge. Do not stop sending the flags just because I have been derelict in putting them up. I mean, literally the, the, uh, uh, webpage, uh, alwayswrite.us, got launched less than two weeks ago. Uh, we're still piecing it together and putting together all kinds of different touches on it, and I'm adding news content multiple times per day. Uh, just have not been able to sort through all of the flags yet. But I will sort them. And let me ask you this, too. If you have already sent me a picture of the flag to which you pledge your allegiance each and every day, uh, if you have already sent it, resend it with your name and city. Because I want to put a name and city underneath everybody's flag. I want to give everybody a little bit of a recognition for being the patriots that they are. So if you have already sent it, resend it with your name. And uh, in, where do you send it, you say? Okay, you send it to my email address, which is alwayswrite1420 at yahoo.com. Alwayswrite1420 at yahoo.com. That's the one for the website. So that's the best one to use. But if you put your name and, on, name and uh, city on it, I'll put that... Uh, uh, on the page when I get all of those flags up, uploaded. So it has not been lost on me. If you sent one to me before, please resend it. If you have not yet done it, please do so so that we can put a huge collection of flags and just kind of bombard it uh, with patriotism. Having said all of that, now I ask you if you are a, a patriot to rise so that we can indeed begin our program with our Pledge of Allegiance. Um, if you are a patriot, I know you're going to put your hand on your heart and face that flag if you have one. If you are um a Biden supporter, a believer in the big tech and mainstream media's right to cover up relevant, pertinent information about a candidate that they, that they support in order to subvert the electoral process. If you're a believer in any of that, well, then I know you don't believe in this pledge. So you go ahead and take a knee instead of standing proudly. Take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback while the rest of us say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all so let me just dive in this will be the top of the second hour interview when i talk to mike gibbons at ten ten. but i just kind of want to get some thoughts on this i want to hear from you um, about what this incident sounded like to you, what this incident looked like to you, and whether or not you have changed your mind or made up your mind or had any impact whatsoever on your decision in the upcoming primary for the Senate to replace Rob Portman. I'm going to play this clip for you. 
it is um it's not fun. I didn't enjoy it. You know, it's it's two conservative candidates that I both believe to be good, decent, honorable men um, in a situation that I guarantee you they both regret. I have no doubt about that. And I'll talk to Mike Gibbons today, and I'll talk to Josh Mandel later. Um uh, have to set that one up. Uh, I'm sure they both regret it. But this is one of those things where I don't like this kind of campaigning. I don't like this kind of infighting. I don't think it necessarily made either one of them look great. I think one of them probably uh, a little bit less so. I think one of them was 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 on the attack, and the other one was in a self defense mode. Uh, but I'm going to let you decide what happened at this uh, debate uh, panel that was ha- held on Friday night. I believe it was in Mansfield. I wasn't there, but everybody saw this, and uh, so I want you to give this a listen. It's a couple of minutes, not very long. Uh, I bleeped out the one word that might be offensive, but you need to know what that word is, and I'll I'll sell it to you on the back end here after uh, after you listen. But this is uh, what happened when Josh Mandel took the mic. Uh, in response to one question or another, and he decided to use his time to uh, go after Mike Gibbons, who, of course, is the front runner, and that's politics. People who are behind need to take a bite out of the people who are ahead. Get it? Understood? That happens. There's no question about it, and this is the way it all went down. My opponent, Mr. Gibbons, was making billions of dollars by shipping Ohio businesses to China. He just got up here and said he wasn't doing that. Let me give you three examples. Perfect Fit LLC had thousands of jobs all over Ohio. He took Perfect Fit LLC, and Mike, why don't you explain to everyone why you sold it to a company called Shanghai Shenda? That was in 2015, while President Trump was campaigning against China. And then he did the same exact thing, owning stock in Chinese Petro. All right, Mike, would you like to rebuttal that? Frankly, I'm not sure where he got perfect fit from because I'm unaware of the deal. And I'm not sure what Chinese Petro has to do with anything. Uh, are you, you saying own, I owned it? Yeah, you own stock in it. Well, I, that's, I what you, tell, that's what you, I can you tell filed you, that I, with the Federal Elections Commission. You well, own stock I, in Chinese I, Petro. I personally didn't buy the stock. You uh, made millions off it, sir. I don't think I made millions off of anything. I'd love to have made millions off of Chinese Petro. Uh, first of all, Shanghai Shenda and buying, Chinese Petro. Buying a second, right, you may start. not understand this because you've I never been in the private. No, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private sector it. in your entire life. All right, gentlemen, I've worked, sir. Josh, squat, Josh. Two tours in Iraq. Don't, don't tell me I haven't worked. Right. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You, you don't know squat. It's okay, right? You don't know squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Back off, buddy. You're going to You back off. Come on, come on. Never. That'll happen. Sit down. Never. Watch. Watch. We'll square it away with the the wrong dude. No, no, you're dealing with the wrong guy. You watch what happens. You watch what happens. All right, guys. Josh doesn't understand this because he never spent a day in the private sector. Yeah. But when you buy a secondary stock, when when you buy a secondary stock, you aren't giving any money to the company. It's a market thing. And by the way, I don't even know I knew, I, I, I didn't even know I owned Chinese Petro. And if I did, it was being managed by U.S. Bank. Because I, frankly, was working in the private sector, and I don't have time to watch a stock portfolio. I'm too busy working. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Well, there it is. That was the showdown. Um, debates get contentious. No question about it. 
How how awkward were some of those moments on the presidential debate stage between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, Lion Ted, Donald Trump and Marco Rubio, Little Marco? Uh, you seem to be sweating an awful lot there, Marco. I mean, some of the uh, some of the attacks. I mean, well, a little bit amusing. And almost exclusively involving President Trump, which was also kind of amusing. But they get tense. They get uh, a little ugly sometimes. This one got a little more. This one became a nose-to-nose situation. Now, I'm going to talk to Mike Gibbons about this again coming up at 1010. And I'll give uh, Josh Mandel a chance to talk about it uh, probably on tomorrow's show if he's able. Um, But just from the appearance of it, just from the physical appearance of it and if you have not yet seen the video you, you need to seek it out and there's only one place to, to you need to look which is always right.us go to always right.us that's my web page you'll see the video of it um, and then you'll have a chance to sound off on it by the way whether you do it with a live phone call or whether you do it on our our uh, sound off button which is right there on the web page record your response to this and send it to me uh, just follow the steps that are given there on the sound off button but from my observation, just looking at it from a physical standpoint, a confrontation ensued that didn't need to ensue. It didn't need to happen. Because, now, I wasn't at the event either, and this is the only video I saw of the event. But it looked as though the, the procedure was the speaker addressing a question from the, from the moderator gets to stand. Everybody else is seated. There's five seats across the stage. J.D. Vance was there, Timken was there, Dolan was there, Gibbons was there, Mandel was there. Those are the five candidates, the uh, you know the five obviously biggest names and, 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 and leaders in the polls and so forth. But one person got to stand and, and talk while it was his turn or her turn to talk. That's the way it was. Josh Mandel was standing when he uh, challenged Mike Gibbons on Chinese Petro, et cetera, et cetera. Then he sat down and Mike Gibbons rose to talk. At that point in time, it looked like the stage was Mike Gibbons to stand. And as he uh, responded to Josh Mandel, Josh rose and stood with him and then literally walked directly toward him, and the two of them ended ended up nose-to-nose. In that moment, from that exact specific physical um, demonstration, it looks as though Josh probably shouldn't have stood up. It looks as though he probably should not have stood up to challenge the speaker. It was his time. Uh, and 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 that was it. Nobody stood up to take his spotlight away when it was when it was his turn to speak. And I'm going to ask Josh about that. Like I said, as soon as I can get him. Um, but after that, it just it just kind of devolved into something that was a little nastier than it probably should have been. And my only question for you, as we look at it, and if you already have your mind made up, and you may not even be a Gibbons or a Mandel person, you may be a, a Vance person or a Dolan person or whatever. But if you were inclined to support one of these two guys, I'm curious to know as to know, did this event, did this showdown affect your, your, your opinion? Did it change your vote? Did it make your vote? Did it say, I'm absolutely voting for this person now. I'm absolutely not voting for that person now. I'm just kind of curious to see how this factors into uh, this very, very crowded and becoming more and more contentious race. So if you saw the video, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you just heard the audio. It gives you. I'm doing my best to describe it to you. But, uh, again, the best thing to do is, is just to uh, log on to uh, alwaysright.us. You'll be able to find it. It's about two-thirds down the way, the, ho- uh, the, the way down the homepage. Watch it again. I've, it's been bumped by another confrontation among candidates. It's been bumped down the page by a more recent one over the weekend. 
at the Ohio Beef Expo a, 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 a face-to-face and potential threat from one of the gubernatorial candidates against another? I'll share that story with you next as Ohio's elections continue to become more and more bizarre and, and literally the electoral process, given the uh, situation involving the Supreme Court and the district lines and whether or not we're going to be able to have a primary on May 3rd. But as the entire thing continues to devolve into something that's almost Saturday Night Live-ish, I won't say exactly because Saturday Night Live used to be funny, and some of these are actually funny. Uh, share that coming up with you right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 925, AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us on Always Right. Don't forget, we've got Jim Jordan coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes. He's got a lot to talk about. He's fired up. He's very fired up about a lot of things, but most specifically uh, about the um, situation involving Hunter Biden's laptop. The New York Times finally coming clean uh, on Friday, this past Friday, maybe it was late Thursday, finally coming clean and saying, yeah, we know it's real. They buried it, along with every major media outlet. They buried it, uh, even though there were so many credible um, uh, reports, uh, testimonies given by individuals who were involved. Tony Bobolinsky, who was just, oh, he's a liar. He's just, uh, he's a Trump acolyte. He's, he's not. He's a registered Democrat. He was an associate of Hunter Biden's. He came forward with everything, verifiable proof of everything that was on that laptop, and they buried it. When the New York Post was the only uh, media outlet worth uh, that was uh, brave enough to actually come forward with it, then Big Tech got in and censored the New York Post and blocked the reporting from being out. Now here we are with Biden safely tucked into the White House, what, 15 months later, 16 months later, whatever it is. Now suddenly it's like we can go, yeah, we know it's real. Yeah, yeah, and we know it's real. There's got to be some ramifications for that. You know, when Donald Trump declared in his first term that the media was the enemy of the people, big tech, mains, not big tech, beg your pardon, uh, mainstream media, network media in particular, when he said it was the enemy of the people, this is what he was talking about. They literally took relevant, extraordinarily important news about one of the two candidates for president and how he is impacted by his son's overseas dealings and whether or not he was enriched by those things, they took that, which could have swung the vote in a major way, and buried it, all to favor a candidate or to help a candidate, rather, that they favored. Simply amazing. Jim Jordan will talk about it, I know. Uh, Let's go to Charlie in Westlake. Charlie, you're on AM 1420 The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Hey Bob, thanks for taking the call. Interesting. Sure. I did watch. I did see the video. I think Josh Mandel hit a major nerve with Gibbons when he said, "How do you? How did you make your money?" Basically, he was saying he made it, you know, on the backs of hurting the United States by dealing with the with the China. And and I see Gibbons got mad, but hey, he's he's too old for it to be a first term. He's we need some young lions there that'll be you know, seniority is everything in the Senate. And this guy's like going around 70 years old. We don't need a, a caretaker senator. And uh, I, I thought Josh Mandel did a great job hitting back. He, you know, how, how can Gibbon say a treasurer of the state of Ohio doesn't know about stocks? Come on, man. That's, how, that's all I feel. All right, Charlie, Josh thanks. Won, won it. 
Charlie, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Looking for any reaction that you have to to what you saw uh, on that stage, or if you only heard it here. And by the way, I didn't I didn't make a big deal of the word, like I said, that we had to bleep out. But you can you can hear I bleeped it out uh, the first half of it anyway, so that we are 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 uh, you know being safe and being responsible. But one candidate, literally on stage with microphones present, called the other candidate a uh, a female body part. Uh, described with, with the first letter P, um, right there on the stage. And it's, of course, used to mean wimp uh, or, you know, weakling or something of that. You know, you know the word, and you understand what it means. Or as, as uh, Joe Biden would say, you know, the, you know the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, he called him that on stage, on, live, uh, on, a, on a live stage, rather, in front of live microphones. Uh, I know that some people that have reacted online thus far have said that part was uncomfortable for them. Um, and I have to say, I want people who are passionate, you know this. I want people who are conservative, you know this. I want somebody in that seat that is far more committed to what uh, they believe in than Rob Portman is. Rob Portman proved a few years back that he is not committed to anything, particularly as it pertains to you know, his, uh, you know, his own personal interests or his family interests. And I've never, ever felt the same about him after that. And I do not believe that him that he is a true conservative. He's not dyed in the wool conservative. He is wishy-washy. And I want somebody who is not wishy-washy in that Senate seat. That's one of the reasons I do not want uh, Jane Timken in that seat. And there's some other people I probably would be very, very questioning of. But I will tell you this. I want a conservative in that seat. Was that conservative on that stage on Friday night? Well, that's what you tell me. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Jim Jordan joins us next, right after the news. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The Answer. Onward at 935. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. So the laptop was real. The laptop was real. And it's good to know that 15, 16 months after uh, the election, 16, 17 months after the revelations of the Hunter Biden laptop uh, were made public and then buried by the mainstream media. I know that's one of the things that uh, Congressman Jim Jordan wants to react to, and he'll do so now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Monday morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. I want to play a clip for you to start our conversation this morning because yeah. this is the Attorney General, former Attorney General of the United States of America, who said yesterday that um, uh, intelligence agencies, the active intelligence agencies, not former intelligence officers uh, who declared the uh, Biden laptop, the Hunter Biden lap- laptop, to be Russian dis- disinformation. He said the active intelligence agencies told a different story, but nobody wanted to listen. As soon as this uh, letter came out from these so-called intelligence uh, specialists, the DNI, John Radcliffe at the time, and the FBI, which worked for me, both came out and said this was not the result of disinformation, Russian disinformation. The media ignored that completely, just kept on going with the disinformation line. That is, is such an extraordinary yeah. statement by the Attorney General, Mr. Jordan. What's sure. your reaction? Yeah. Well, well no, you, you said the laptop was real, the news was fake. I mean, that, that, that the laptop was real, the eyewitness, Tony Bobulinski, was a real person who had real information, was a real partner with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, these guys. Uh, and the, 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 the documents were actually 
real, those emails that talked about 10% for the big guy. And I mean, it was all real, and we knew it at the time, the mainstream press, because they wanted Joe Biden to be the next president, and we're out to get President Trump. They lied to us. So everything was real that we knew last fall. The only thing fake was the news, which we sort of knew that as well. This is just the state of affairs for today's media, and it's why we have to work so hard and why your show is so important, your show and others like it, because you actually give the truth to the people who listen each and every day. And it's, that's what we're up against today. The news is in so many ways just fake, made up, lies, everything else. And this idea that the collusion between big tech, big media, and the big Democrat party to mislead the American people in weeks, just weeks before the presidential election is what is so wrong about this. But uh, again, I, I say this every week, I think, Ron, I think the American people have figured all this out. And they are uh, they're looking to make a big change when we get to this fall's election. I want to ask you what can be done, maybe from a legislative perspective, um, to hold the media accountable for, for things like this, burying relevant information about a candidate that they favor uh, in an upcoming election. And I understand the freedom of the, uh, the First Amendment provides for freedom of the press. That means the press can report anything and say anything they want. But isn't there an equal obligation to... Uh, for them to report things that maybe they don't want to report if they find out that it's relevant, particularly to the leadership of the country. Well, the main thing is to allow the competition to, to work so that because you do have all kinds of good news outlets who cover the facts, who present the truth, who are actually fair and balanced. Imagine a term like that uh, or a phrase like that. So you've you got to make sure you have competition. This is why we have to, to change Section 230, which gives this liability protection to the big tech platforms, but censor and lie to us all the time. Uh, it's it's why we need to get antitrust actions in front of the Supreme Court in a, in a in an expedited fashion, so we can get a ruling on that. There's things we can do, legislation we can pass. The problem is, if we take back the House and the Senate, Joe Biden will still veto those 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 measures because the Democrats like the fact that big tech censors us. They like the fact that big tech and big media collude to keep the truth from the American people because it's helping them. So, uh, but th- we have to focus on that. Continue to highlight that. And then, frankly, we're going to have to wait until, until President Trump runs in 24 and he wins, and then we can pass these kind of things and actually begin to, to better level the playing field in a fair and competitive way. We're talking with Congressman Jim Jordan this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's pivot now to what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, the city of Mariupol has been just completely decimated. Uh, Vladimir Putin gave... President Zelensky until early this morning to essentially surrender Mariupol, and if he would not do that, then they were just going to destroy it. That's exactly what's underway right now. So I want to go back to last week. President Zelensky spoke to you in Congress and requested of the American uh, people uh, some assistance. We need air support. We can fight on the ground, and we don't want you to do it. We just need to get the the planes in the air. Um, Did President Biden, Congressman Jordan, unilaterally refuse the request for MiGs to Ukraine through Poland? And if so, was that the right call? Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if we know for sure how that all shook out, but that, that seems to be what happened. I, I think the key here is, look, President Zelensky is, is, is obviously a brave and courageous leader who I think has conducted himself um, like, like any leader would be um, when your country is invaded. The Ukrainian people have been just, just amazing uh, throughout this, this terrible situation. Um, we need to help them. We need to get mostly. I think what they need is those those missiles that 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 the, the javelins and stuff that allow them to fight back. Uh, that, that President Trump gave them while he was president. We need to we need to make sure we're helping them in that regard uh, re- regarding the, the the MIGs and how that all transpired. I don't know if anyone knows for sure, but it seems like it was vetoed by the White House by the president. Um, 
but but I don't know that we know for sure exactly how that that shook down. If if you were calling the shots, would you provide them with those uh, with those fighter planes? Again, it would be Polish I, I think, MIGs. It would be Polish MIGs. We would be helping on the back end, well, replacing what Poland has. But um, w- would you do that? I, th- I think the key is we give them what what uh, the, the the missiles and that that they need um, these tank busting javelins because I mean it's mostly that seems to be how um, the Russians are 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 doing the damage they're doing to Ukraine, and we need to be able to help them uh, stop that. Um, when it comes to no-fly zone, I think we got to be real careful. If it, it, we certainly don't want American pilots over there. I mean, I just think that, is, that, that, that we don't, we don't want to go there. Um, and I think we got to be real careful about it. But if, it, if, it, if it's MiG uh, coming there and it's done by uh, Ukrainian pilots, I think that's a, that's a different story. What we don't right. want to make sure we don't want is American pilots uh, flying over uh, Ukrainian airspace. No, no one wants that. Uh, President Zelensky, excuse me, wasn't even asking for that. This is this. He just right. wants the ability to right. to try to uh, stop that the attacks from the air that are that are destroying so many targets. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has praised Biden's handling of uh, of Russia and this invasion as masterful. How would you characterize it? <laughs> I don't know that Joe Biden has done anything in the fourteen months he's been president that you could call masterful. I think everything he's done has been a Disaster, and I and I and frankly, we've talked about this too, Bob. I don't get any satisfaction in saying that because you know you want the best for our country, you want the best for for the for the world in a peaceful way. But everything this guy has done has been a disaster. I mean, he inherited, relatively speaking, a calm and stable world. And and the picture that has always stuck in my mind is that picture in Afghanistan when you have people jumping on the wheels of that plane as it's taking off and flying out of Afghanistan. That is that is a metaphor for what Joe Biden has done, not just to the world with, with the exit from Afghanistan and now this situation in Ukraine, which I think is driven by uh, weakness projected from the Oval Office, uh, which has allowed Vladimir Putin to do the terrible things he's doing. Um, it's domestically as well. The border, inflation, energy prices, crime, and urban. There is not one thing you can point to. So for her to say he's been masterful in this area when he hasn't been masterful in any area, uh, just is beyond comprehension. Bigger picture, looking uh, looking out ahead now, um, the Chinese ambassador said on American television yesterday yeah. that it was naive to call Russia's invasion of Ukraine an invasion. What does that tell you about Xi's intentions regarding Taiwan? Well, I, I mean, it's obviously an invasion, and it's as wrong as wrong get, uh, it, it is. Um, I don't know. Let's Let's hope. Uh, I mean, it's probably not a good sign, I guess, as would be, your, I think, anyone's first takeaway. But let's hope they don't do it. And, um, you know, frankly, I think we also need to keep in mind, you know, Putin thought this was going to be uh, relatively easy for him to go in and grab, grab uh, you know, land and, and, and grab Ukraine and, and change the government there. And it's been anything but. Uh, if China is going to attempt something, we hope they don't. It'd be wrong to do. But if they're going to try to do the same thing with Taiwan, it's, it's, it, it, I don't think that'll be easy either because, you know, it's, they got to cross water. This is not like this is just an adjacent country. They got to they got to cross water to get to Taiwan. How is that all going to going to work? Um, and and my my gut tells me that the Taiwanese, uh, you know, the people in Taiwan are going to push back um, just just like the Ukrainian people have. So we'll see. Um, I don't think it sounds good, and, uh, and that's that's unfortunate. But let's hope it doesn't happen. 
Yeah, and of course there's an impact on, on the United States uh, if something like that does happen, which is why mostly yep. the reason I asked the question. Last thing, I, I would imagine uh, with all the media that you do, you probably never imagined in, a, imagined in a million years getting a question about the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships, but I'm going to ask you one. Will the women's national title that was won by a bi- biological male this past weekend spur better legislation to save women's sports, Congressman? Well, I hope so, because this is something I'm convinced 99.999% of the country of the world understands that this is wrong. It's just a handful of people uh, who, unfortunately, are in positions of, of, of deciding the rules and all. A handful of people in the press, a handful of people in the Democrat Party, and a handful of people, uh, it looks like, with the, with the NCAA and, and, with, and with sports governing bodies who don't get it, because everyone else gets it. But if you saw, like, I saw some of the reporting, I think, on ESPN or something, and they were talking about this in, in sort of glowing terms. And then you went to the, the actual competition I saw, I think it was Fox or some of the news, was talking to parents of, of women competing against Leah Thomas, and, and uh, they were a completely different story, as well as, as, because they get common sense, they get the facts. So everyone knows this is wrong. Let's hope people wake up and um, we get the right kind of decisions for the good of women's sports. I mean, we had two daughters both competed in sports, and it, it makes no sense what, what is being allowed to happen um, today in sports. You know, just, just to bring that home and put it into your world, uh, in the wrestling world, women's wrestling, girls' wrestling in high school has taken off all over the country now. Sure it used to happen when sure you were is. in high school and I was, uh, yep. but it's all over, and in women's too. Can you imagine, now this is swimming, it's just you're racing side by side, and it's still unfair, but can you imagine a biological male, a big, strong biological male, saying, I'm going to wrestle against the women because I, I identify <laughs> as a woman now? Can you imagine what would happen in that, in, in, I, in that, on the mat? No, it's, it's completely unfair. And you're right, women's wrestling. The University of Iowa just added women's wrestling. Division One University of Iowa women's wrestling is coming there. So it, it, it is a competition and a sport that's taking off. But, yeah, you know, or boxing or ultimate fight. I mean, like, what are they talking about? It makes no sense. But this is the crazy world that the left, the woke left, is trying to foist on us. And... um and they basically tell you, forget about common sense, forget about what you know is truth. You got to do it our way because we're saying so. And and I think American parents, Americans in general, are just going to say, no, this is ridiculous. It it doesn't make any sense, any common sense, and we're not going to tolerate it. And it's completely unfair to girls and women who are watching their sports sure come under sure assault is. that they may never come back from. Congressman Jim Jordan, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Thank you for the time, sir. You bet. Take care, Bob. All right, nine forty-seven now. Uh, that that's um, that's such an enormous thing. I I saw the interview that Jim Jordan was talking about with a parent of one of the swimmers who was completely, you know, she was cheated. She fit, it took sixteen, the top sixteen swimmers in the event that was won by uh, the biological male. Uh, uh, I think his name is Will Thomas. He changed his name to Leah. Can't really change that. Uh, but he's trying to pretend that he's changed his, his sex, which is something he has not done. But anyway, um, it, it took the top 16. He had to finish in this top 16 to make it to the finals in the, in the final race. And the 17th place finisher was just in tears. She was sobbing because she knew she would have been in the finals had it not been for this biological male up at the top of the pack. 
pushing everybody back one spot. Number one was actually relegated to number two and two to three and so on and so forth. And down to 16 was relegated to number 17 because of this. And her father did speak out against all of this and uh, very passionately and very respectfully, too. And um, it's just there's so much that is just not fair about it. And the worst part about it, or among the worst parts about it, is that the um, left, which champions this this nonsense, this attack on women's sports, they they supposedly are the party of silence. Isn't that what they say? Science, excuse me, silence. That's another, that's a different story altogether there. But they're the party of science. They're the ones telling us all the time, follow the science, follow the science. It's all about science. Science when it comes to climate. Science when it comes to uh, to uh, COVID-19 and viruses and vaccines. Follow the science. And yet, when it comes to, hey, that's a dude with an X chromosome and a Y chromosome and male anatomy and male physiology and male biology, that's a guy. They want to say, no, it isn't. What's wrong with you? You clearly don't understand science. He doesn't feel like a girl today or a guy today, so therefore he is a girl, and you have to accept him as such, or a woman in this case. The party of science just completely casting science to the side of the road because it helps fit their identity politics agenda. Do not ever let anybody tell you this is about anything other than political gain. Politics, politics, politics. If you come out against something that they can use as a protected class or decide as a protected class, now you're the villain and they will get more votes because they stand up to you. If you criticize Ketanji Brown-Jackson's record as she sits before the United States Senate Judiciary Committee today during confirmation hearings, if you condemn her record at all, you are the bigot, you are the racist, you don't want a black woman on the United States Supreme Court. Of course, never mind the fact that we have had African Americans on the court, but never, and we've had women, and we've had African Americans, but we just haven't had one that crossed both of those, an African American woman. So it's two protected classes. You are both a sexist and a racist if you oppose or if you challenge the record of, of Kataji Brown Jackson. So, well, okay. How's that work out? How does that work out? How are we not allowed to condemn something uh, based on its merit without being called a bigot? Well, how do you save women's sports without being called a transphobe? See what they do? They always find a way to demonize those people who actually are focused not on the identity of the individuals being criticized or not on their um, their class, their membership and membership in a protected class by sex or by race or by uh, sexual orientation or ethnicity or any of those kinds of things. People who want to just condemn or criticize based on the merits of their arguments or their qualifications are the ones who are called bigots. That's why identity politics reigns on the American left. And that's why there was a girl kicked out of the finals or left out of the finals so that a man could swim. Okay, 952, quick time out. Right back. Your calls, 216-901-0945. Let's hear from you on AM 1420, The Answer. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. 
My service also allows me to be there for my community in ways others can't. I help my hometown recover after nature strikes. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country and those I care about safe from threats. I also work with a network of professionals that help me succeed. Also, the Army National Guard's education benefits make getting a higher education a reality. Being an Army National Guard soldier makes living and serving in my community more rewarding every day. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of... Always right with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, it's 9.55. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks to Congressman Jim Jordan for being with us. I teased one of the stories uh, in the first half hour that I didn't finish up on, um, and I'm probably going to have to spend more time about it uh, on it next hour, But because I played for you the clip of the nose-to-nose showdown between um, uh, GOP Senate frontrunner Mike Gibbons, who's leading in all the polls now, and Josh Mandel, who was leading in all the polls, Perhaps is what sparked the uh, the little uh, showdown. But um, I teased for you the other one. I said in another race. And maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. Again, that one is also on my webpage on alwaysright.us. Check it for yourself. Did Ohio Governor Mike DeWine actually say to Joe Blystone at the Ohio Beef Expo on Saturday, quote, I'm going to kick your ass, end quote. And I apologize for that word, but it's in the Bible, so I guess it's okay. Uh, <laughs> literally, uh, this is what Joe Blystone alleges. He alleges that he challenged Mike DeWine when they came uh, together at, a, at the Ohio Beef Expo down in Columbus. He came together and uh, asked him why he wouldn't debate him. Blystone asked uh, DeWine why he wouldn't debate. And what he's talking about is DeWine turned down an invitation from the Ohio Debate Commission to join Blystone and Jim Renacci on March 29th at a debate at Central State University. So Blystone went up to him and asked him why he wouldn't debate. And his claim, there's no, there's no audio to the video. There is the video of DeWine saying something, because it's a still shot, or excuse me, yeah, it's, there, there's a video and there's a still shot of him speaking clearly to Joe Blystone, but there's no audio to accompany it. Accompany it. And considering how close he was to Blystone's ear, it apparently it is apparent that nobody else heard it, so because no witnesses have come forth. But Blystone's claim is that Mike DeWine said, "I'm going to kick your blank." I won't say it again. I said it once, so you know what it was. Um, so how about that? Now I have no idea if it's real. I have no idea if Blystone is telling the truth. Uh, Joe Blystone has had uh, some questions asked about him and his ability to be truthful and forthcoming. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is a massive audit that was uh, done of the Blystone campaign, which has raised 20 pages worth of questions about his uh, campaign finance reporting. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a very, very big deal. I've read it, and it does. It's, it's quite damning. But one way or the other, there was a showdown between Mike DeWine and Joe Blystone as well, so I'm kind of curious uh, to see how that one all plays out. Uh, Mike DeWine has not commented on the allegation made by Blystone that he said he was going to kick his rear end. Uh, all right, let me get a call in from Jan before the top of the hour. Uh, Jan, you're on AM 1420, the answer. Go ahead. Oh, good morning, Jack. Have you noticed how green the sky is today? You know, uh, this thing with Leah, uh, William, the, the real William, this uh-huh. isn't unfair. This is insanity. 
And I probably just maybe insulted some colorblind people who are colorblind. So what's next? That's are me, too. To... That's me, too. I'm partially colorblind. <laughs> not fully, but partially, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're the but, next uh, exempted class. But I love what you're, you did there, Jan. I love what you did there. I mean, calling things exactly the opposite of what they are. You even used a different name for me. And and, and that's exactly what we're expected to do. We're expected to call this biological male a Nobody female. better expect me to do it because <laughs> Leah is William, and he, he is a big cheat, and he should be ashamed of himself. Well, so that's all I got to say. I'm glad you said it, Jan. Thanks for the call. I do appreciate that very much. You know, you're you're exactly right. It is cheating. Uh, it is unfair to women, and women's sports are in serious, serious jeopardy now. Especially because if you speak out against this sort of thing, do you know what else? You know what happens? You get canceled. Um, as an example, now this one isn't the Leah Thomas, but you'll also find this story on AlwaysWrite.us. I'm very busy with the website, in case you can't tell. But you'll also find this story. Did you know that the Attorney General... Of the state of Texas, Ken Paxton had his Twitter account suspended because he tweeted the words, quote, Rachel Levine is a man. This is in response to uh, the news story from USA Today, quote, meet these exceptional women of the year. And they had a picture of Rachel Levine, uh, who is Richard Levine, who is a biological male who likes wigs and lipstick. Fine. Be, go ahead. Do yourself. Do whatever you want. Dress how you want. Call yourself what you want. But we don't have to actually ignore science, do we? Ken Paxton didn't ignore science and said, Rachel Levine is a man. Twitter suspended him for hateful conduct. He referred to a biological male as a man and was suspended for it. If that wasn't enough, so was the Babylon Bee. You know Babylon Bee, the, uh, tw- the uh, uh, satire website, which is hilarious? The Babylon Bee ran a story that said, the Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. Obviously playing off of the USA Today's Women of the Year. They called him the Man of the Year, and they also had their Twitter account suspended. This one for only 12 hours, but we are being told if you refer to things as as what they are, you can be canceled. You can lose your accounts, you can lose your standing, your status, etc. So how about that? The sky is green, <laughs> up is down, black is white, uh, day is night, and on and on and on we go. Just say the opposite of what things are, uh, or else you're canceled. We'll take a time out here for news at the top of the hour. Mike Gibbons, Senate candidate, Senate frontrunner, will be joining us next on AM 1420 The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two is underway now, nine minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan, who joined us uh, in the last half hour. We are... Looking forward to a conversation coming up here with uh, Mike Gibbons, Ohio Senate candidate. <laughs> Ohio Senate candidate Mike Gibbons. Uh, it's just coincidental. I actually just got a um, 
uh, just got an email, uh, or, yeah, an email a statement releasing from the Gibbons campaign about the deaths of the U.S. service members in Norway. If you did not see that, they were just identified this morning, the names of the four service members who lost their lives in a, in a tragic uh, situation in Norway. It was a plane crash is what it was. So I just actually got a message from my Gibbons team uh, on my email as we are endeavoring to get him on the radio. And we will uh, have him for you very shortly. So uh, the situation, if you did not follow it, um, regarding Gibbons and uh, Josh Mandel, this was at an event on Friday night. And in this situation, uh, it was a Senate debate panel. Again, I wasn't there, so I don't have the f- I don't, don't know exactly what the format was. But looking at the video that we do have, and you can see it, at alwayswrite.us, looking at what we do have, it appears as though when the five individuals, uh, five candidates who were there, Gibbons and Mandel, who are leading in, leading in the polls, uh, along with uh, J.D. Vance and Matt Dolan and Jane Timken, uh, it appears, though, that when the one person, it was one person's turn to speak, they stood. They grabbed, they have their microphones, and they stood, and then everybody else stayed seated. In this instance, Josh Mandel was standing and speaking. He challenged Mike Gibbons. I played this for you before, and then surrendered the floor to him. Mike Gibbons stood, and then Mike Gibbons responded in a way that apparently Josh Mandel didn't like because then he also stood. And when he stood, he walked over and approached Mike Gibbons. It looked like, well, it didn't look like it was nose to nose. And then this was part of the encounter that happened. First of all, Shanghai Shenda and buying, Chinese Petro. Buying a second, right, you may not understand this because you've I never been in the fight. No, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private sector in your entire life. I've worked, sir. Josh, squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't, don't tell me I haven't worked. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You, you don't know squat. It's okay, right? You don't know squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Back off, buddy. You're gonna you back off. Oh, come on, come on. Never. That'll happen. Sit down. Never. Watch. Yeah. Watch. We'll swear it away with the wrong yeah. dude. Come on. No, no, you're dealing with the wrong guy. You watch what happened. You watch what happened. All right. There, All right, guys. Uh, that was the... Uh, Josh doesn't understand this because he never spent a day in the private sector. Yeah. But when you buy a secondary stock... When you, when you buy a secondary stock, you aren't giving any money to the company. It's a market thing. And by the way, I don't even know I knew, I, I, I didn't even know I owned Chinese Petro. And if I did, it was being managed by U.S. Bank. Because I, frankly, was working in the private sector, and I don't have time to watch a stock portfolio. I'm too busy working. All right, there you go. That's the meat of the situation and the conversation. You heard a slight bleep there because that uh, there was a word there that would get us in trouble if we played it on the air. And uh, the question remains whether or not it's going to cause a problem for Josh Mandel, who used it in that showdown with Mike Gibbons. And I'm told Mike Gibbons is on the line now, so let's welcome the uh, Senate uh, candidate. Uh, and right now in the polls, the front runner in the Senate race to replace Rob Portman, Mike Gibbons, back to our program. Mike, good morning. Morning, Bob. <laughs> Well, that that's was probably more than heard, you. That's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, really? You you have not listened back to the recording since uh, since Friday night? No, no, I hadn't. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, well then, give me your first reaction to that. Well, to be honest, I didn't hear any of that interchange. I don't remember any of that interchange because, uh, frankly, I was thinking I'm here running for office because I you know, love America and want to try and help fix things and it's a u.s senate race and i now have a guy charging me and it looks like he's going to punch me and what do you do in front of 500 people when somebody's going to punch you <laughs> i I've, I've never encountered that before 
so so did yeah. you did you hear uh I, I know you're saying this is the first time you listen back to it um but so you're saying when you were on the stage and he stood up and kind of marched toward you and then said uh you watch what happens you watch what happens blank i don't remember your, that you, I, you didn't hear it at know, the moment no well i mean i, I probably did I, all i can tell you i was in uh, a state of i mean i went into this is a fight mode, uh, and I can't believe it. I'm on stage running for the U.S. Senate, and uh, all of a sudden there's this guy charging me on stage. He didn't just walk up and stand there. He put his chest in mine, and, uh, you know, the way I grew up, that's a challenging, um, you know, situation, and yeah. I thought, what do I do now? <laughs> it sounded like Mike. What you said is, "You better back up, buddy," or something like that. And he said, "No, you back down." And you said, "That'll never, ever, ever happen." Um, so, so you were engaging at the time, but but I guess when the adrenaline gets pumping uh, the way that it did there, and again, you sounded like right. you were in you were in you know fight or flight mode, and it's either he's going to punch me and I'm going to have to react, or I'm going to have to walk away and uh, and then right. you know right. be, be essentially well, pushed I mean, off it, the stage. It, it, you know, I. I I've been around and uh, and I've been in those situations before, but it, it was just a, a total shock to have that kind of thing happen on on a stage where you, you know you're doing a pretty serious thing, pretty important thing. And uh, you know, I think he he has issues. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> have you had any kind of um, an acrimonious relation? I mean, obviously, you guys are all competing against one another. Everybody's in this race, so I know there's some level mm-hmm. of you know, maybe not fondness, I guess, because you have to you have to treat this like a battle. It is, you know, a political battle. But aside from the fact that you're both running for the same position, uh, uh, Mike Gibbons, have you had any acrimonious type of relationship with Josh Mandel in the past? And how surprised were you that he turned this as almost physical as it got? I, I've not had an acrimonious relationship with him. When he ran for treasurer, I supported him. I've had breakfast with him. Um, you know, he's a nice guy. I, I uh, uh, or at least I thought he was. And um, I, you know, frankly, this was a shock. Now, this is the first time we've ever been on stage together in a debate situation where I'm kind of uh, running away from him in the polls. And, and I think he's got, uh, I don't think he's ever had, any, had anybody, you know, beat him in a primary before. Mm-hmm. and uh, he's having a lot of trouble with it. So do you think this was, uh, and this is just your opinion, of course, uh, do, do you think this was a desperation move on his part to try to gain more attention as he as, as the polls st- kind of start to shift, Mike? Well, you know, if you are an observer of this election from the outside, every few weeks you, Josh is throwing a show someplace. And uh, you know he was in, he debated uh, a Democrat uh, Senate candidate a few weeks ago, and, and it turned into a show. Uh, he's been thrown out of a board meeting physically. Uh, he was thrown out of a of a fundraiser in Florida. It's always Josh Mandel thrown out of some place, and it's you know it's a physical thing with him that you know, people are escorting him out. And uh, frankly, I think he's a bit unhinged. And uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure he's he's uh, you know the kind of person that should represent this state. And uh, you know, and I, I I'm not saying it because because uh, I'm running against him. I think you just kind of look at uh, look at the facts.
I've interviewed you a number of times. I've interviewed Josh a number of times as well. I never really thought that anything like this would happen. I kind of thought you guys were more more alike than different in terms of policy and in terms of conservatism and so oh, forth. Yeah. So, yeah, so this I think is, we are. This is yeah. yeah, and 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 I like passion. Uh, and I've said that many times. I want somebody who's going to be a lot more passionate, quite frankly, about the conservative causes that I think will benefit the people of Ohio and of this country than Rob Portman has ever brought, uh, because I have not been a fan. But this did take me by surprise. Um, so, Mike, if uh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen tonight? I understand there's another debate tonight. It's going to be on Fox Eight News, right? So, uh, yes, there is. Same stage again. What do you expect will happen when you see Josh face to face? You know, I, I'm not. We haven't gotten any polling data, uh, but you know, I I have to believe that his behavior is, you know, is not bringing in a lot of new votes, and and I would hope he would behave like a gentleman. Um, you know, I after the after it was over, my my wife was in the second row, and and she was sitting there, and she said, I was saying to myself. Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! And because you know, I she didn't want me to respond, you know, in a violent way. And and then afterwards, she says, you know, Michael, I think you've finally grown up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she was very she was very pleased by the whole thing. Well, I <laughs> got to tell you, uh, I, I, I didn't, didn't want to see any violence either, either, but I I was afraid that it was going to happen. Well, I shouldn't say that because yeah. I didn't see it live. I saw it afterwards. But as it is, it played out as I watched it. I thought, boy, I could see Josh doing it. I could see you doing it because you're not a guy. You know, you you've made a big part of your campaign. You know, you talk about the grit. Uh, that you learn from playing high-level football at St. Ignatius, and what a big part of your yeah. life that is. You, I, I'm pretty sure if somebody swung on one, you or one of your teammates in an Ignatius uniform, you weren't going to walk away. <laughs> you were the kind oh, of guy absolutely. who was going to. Uh, so, you know what I mean? As, between the two, and Josh, of course, with his military, <laughs> I could totally have seen something violent happening there, and I'm so glad that it did not. Yeah, but, 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 Bob, put yourself on, on, in, in the situation. And you don't have anything to draw on how how we deal with something like that. And it right. was it was put me in a, I mean I was in a, a you know a mode of of, of consternation uh, trying to figure out how do I handle this nutcase, <laughs> and, and I just didn't quite know what to do. And and luckily it ended peacefully. But uh, uh, it, you know I I I would not expect it to to repeat itself. I hope I hope it doesn't. Mike, um, let let me ask you, that, and I hope it doesn't as well, but now I have to ask you about the other element of this whole thing, and that was the sure. line of questioning that Josh brought to you uh, as it pertains to Chinese investments. Um, he talked about Perfect <laughs> yeah. Fit. He said that Perfect Fit is a company that you, uh, I guess, acquired and then uh, essentially no. sold off a whole no. bunch of jobs to Chinese, exported jobs to, to, to China to, uh, to uh, you know, work for that company. Can you respond to that? Sure. Um, you know, we, we have sold, uh, we, we were involved in a lot of M&A transactions all over the world. And um, we, um, and, and frankly, it was, I was unaware of it. it. It wasn't a major transaction in our firm. We do literally do hundreds and hundreds of transactions over 32 years. And, uh, well, since then, we've gone back and researched. And, yes, at one point, we sold a company in Michigan to a Chinese, it was a consumer products company. They made, uh, I, I frankly just found this out because, you know, we, as I said, we do a lot of transactions and I'm not focused on consumer products. And, 
you know, it was a, you know, a VP in the firm headed up the deal. It wasn't an important transaction for us. And they, and a Chinese company bought a consumer products company in Michigan. And uh, that in 32 years is the only involvement we had with any American company in China. And uh, in what Josh said was, Mike has made actually he said billions. He millions, did say billions, billions yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, selling American jobs to China. Well, now first of all, when they bought Perfect Fit, if it's like every other transaction where they do, usually the employment increases <laughs> because. You know, somebody brings in capital and they say, you know, and they buy it for a reason. They don't buy it to shut it down and move the, you know, the machines to, to, to China or to any other country. They buy it and, and they build it up. And they, in, in, we have a myriad of examples of where, you know, we've sold a company to a private equity fund and, and the employment has doubled. You know, we, there's a company down in New Philadelphia that we sold to a private equity shop in Houston actually to a strategic in Houston, they moved their whole Tennessee plant to New Philadelphia. So, I mean, it, 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 there's positive things that happen. Uh, you know, our client is the owner of the company. And, uh, and in this case, but the whole idea was that somehow I was, you know, a friend of the Chinese Communist Party and, and trying to assist China. That was the tone that, that was taken. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Now, I can tell you this. You know, Josh, in, in, I, he also said I had... Uh, I, I owned uh, shares of a Chinese company. Chinese Petro. And, and, yeah, you mentioned Chinese right. Petro. Well, it, it, it was in a mutual fund at U.S. Bank. And, but I can tell you this, we've since looked at it, and you know, Josh uh, was an investor uh, in, and made thousands of dollars, I might add, in a Chinese censorship app company. I mean, so what he's accusing me of, he did personally. I mean, this is, sounds like a, kind of the Democrat projection thing. Uh, just invested Ohio taxpayer payer dollars, our dollars, in companies that were bribing Chinese official, uh, officials. He, he did it with our money. Uh, I mean, this he, he Josh went on record opposing a, a, a Chinese cheating on trade deal um, prohibition. He he opposed it. You know, he has a history of exactly what he accused me of which certainly isn't true. Uh, you know, and uh, the reality is, is we all own, own Chinese stuff. You know, everybody on that stage um, has had uh, an involvement with China. I mean, our, our, our cell phones are Chinese. You know, uh, Josh made thousands from a Chinese censorship act uh, or app. Uh, you know, Jane Timken, his husband ran a company that moved a manufacturing plant to China. Mm-hmm. You know, J.D. Vance sold his book in China. Uh, Matt Dolan sells Indians gear in China. Uh, our, all our iPhones come from China. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden we, we are going to stop using things from China. We can't. Uh, but this, this whole line of somehow I'm un-American or disloyal, um, you know, because uh, we, we did business with a Chinese company is is absolutely absurd. Well, and, my Mike, my, yeah. my, my, uh, my my only frame of reference here is is, uh, and I've told uh, a couple of people this when they've asked me about what my thoughts were on what happened on that stage. Um, it, my only frame of reference is an IRA. I have an IRA. I, I'm I'm not a business owner. Yeah. I I don't have a, a a big portfolio. I just have a simple IRA. And guess what? I don't. Mm-hmm. 
I don't manage my own IRA. I've got a guy like right. everybody else does. Who's you better watch broker. if you don't. <laughs> right. And, and I don't know what they're buying and selling. I know there's stocks and bonds and funds and all kinds of things that they buy and sell to try to maximize my money so that I can someday retire. That's it. Because yeah. I don't have a 401k. i got an IRA. That's the whole idea. And I've got somebody who does it. And you know what? I don't know what they buy. And I'm assuming when you, you multiply look. that times millions, well, times millions when you're in a situation like yours or other people of wealth, you don't know what your brokers are buying and what they're not because as no. you said you can't do that and I, I that kind of i was able to relate to that aspect of it because i have no idea what stocks are in my ira portfolio so how would you know what's in yours how would josh know what's in his and so on and so forth unless you're actively managing it well you know bob that was news to me when he told me i own that stock and he's correct it was in there uh I, it isn't now uh and, and again i don't keep track of this stuff i i just yeah. don't have the time to keep track yeah. And, uh, Neither do I. And like I said, mine's small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's it, there's only so much you can pay attention to, uh, but I don't think Americans are disloyal for turning over their money to somebody to run it, and and uh, and, and they may own some Chinese stocks. And you know, as I said, Josh actually you know didn't manage his or have his portfolio managed, and the very thing he accused me of. Uh, was one of the most, uh, you know, egregious against American interest companies that he could have invested in. And he, uh, and he, and he owned it. And yet he, you know, projected what he had done on me. Well, Mike Gibbons, uh, Senate candidate, frontrunner of the GOP, I appreciate you coming on to address this, giving us your perspective. I will obviously, of course, talk to Josh on the air, maybe as early as tomorrow, and get his re- uh, reaction to all of that as well. But, of course, tonight, it's uh, it's another stage. Uh, I hope uh, a handshake <laughs> I hope a handshake will commence rather than a left jab. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, well, I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I, you know, I think, I think there's a, an issue where you know, he doesn't like the idea of me saying, uh, that he has never worked in the private sector. And and I've always wondered, why do we send people to Washington that have no concept of how our economy works? And his response is always, I'm a Marine. And, and you know, and I, I honor his service. I, as you know, I have a son in the U.S. Navy. I, my son's risking his life every day for this country. Josh risks his life for our country. I have absolute no, any, nothing but respect for that. But it it's not the answer to every single issue. <laughs> You, you should have some expertise in something that might apply to to uh, the economic problem in this country, because we have a huge one. Mike Gibbons, I, I appreciate that very much, and uh, and thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck in the uh, in the event tonight. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mike. All right, there's Mike Gibbons, uh, his side of uh, the little showdown. Uh, on stage, and we'll see what happens after tonight's event. I will endeavor to get my Josh Mandel on. Of course, we'll have something new to talk with Josh about and the other candidates. We, of course, are going to offer uh, equal time to all of the candidates to come on here and state their case in this Senate race. But uh, uh, with the event coming tonight, we'll, we'll talk about that as well as what happened with uh, the showdown with uh, Josh Mandel, either tomorrow or at whatever day this week he's available. Okay, it's uh, coming up on news time now, so I'll take this time out. We'll come back. I've got opportunities to be, to hear from you. How do you feel about that fight? Not literal fight, but the fight for the Senate and the conversation you just heard from Mike Gibbons. I'd love to hear from you at 216-901-0945 after this.
upside down and the majority turns to the left, turn to the right, always right. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. 1037, we continue now on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. As we continue, uh, we'll be in here until noon, almost noon anyway. As you know, we give the uh, last 15 minutes or so to Bill O'Reilly for commentary, but we will be with you for uh, all three hours once again today. Coming up at the top of hour number three, Kenny Shu will join us again. Kenny Shu is the author of An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. He's got a story for us about wokeness at, Un-Amer- uh, at American Express, which he calls Un-American Express, the credit card company and their race-based hiring. Again, this is another example of what I talked about in hour number one about their identity politics. It impacts and influences so many things, including, obviously, uh, their support for biological males ruining girls' sports. Um, identity politics matters. If you're not a member of a protected class, you can be screwed over by someone who is, because they, they are the only ones that matter. And why? Because those protected classes vote. That's why. So uh, I welcome your thoughts on that. We'll hear have that interview at, uh, at 11.10. I uh, want to react, though, to what you just heard from Mike Gibbons, the Senate, uh, uh, leader, uh, Senate leader in the uh, race, I should say, in this primary, according to the polling. Josh Mandel led for the first, I don't know, several months of the polling during this uh, very crowded campaign, which has seen Bernie Moreno drop off. By the way, he has dropped out of the race. A few other fringe candidates aren't even in the polls at all. They're not, they're not polling high enough to actually rate a number. So there's only five candidates that are being rated in the polls now. And, uh, Josh Mandel led them for a while. Now it's Mike Gibbons. And he, as he said, Mike Gibbons said in his interview with me, he's pulling away now from Josh Mandel. And he thinks that's why Josh, who is in second place, followed by JD Vance and then Matt Dolan and Jane Timken are, are pretty far off. Um, he said he thinks that's why Josh is, uh, is, is coming at him the way that he is and that maybe that's what made him a little unhinged. He's not used to losing in primaries. Uh, he talked about Josh never having worked in the, in the private sector and that's what ticks him off and that uh, ticks Josh off, that is. And that his uh, uh, only response to that is, I was a Marine. So just kind of an interesting conversation with Mike Gibbons. Uh, he said he didn't know what to do when this, uh, you know, this younger, uh, guy approached him and stuck his chest into his chest and then called him the, he didn't even know that he called him the, uh, the P word that we bleeped out. He didn't even know it because he was too caught up in the moment and not really, uh, knowing what to do. He was trying to decide if he was about to have to defend himself. So as it pertains to the Chinese, um, investments, as Mike, uh, talked about, I, I asked him, cause this is what Josh Mandel brought to the, to the discussion on Friday. I said, what about it? And he said, yeah, I didn't know we had any of these. He said, because obviously I don't manage my own funds. He said, but now that I do know, I took them out. He said, however, we do did some looking into other people's uh, uh, investments, and he said that Josh is guilty of the same thing. He uh, has investments in Chinese companies that um, some are not necessarily uh, have the best reputations. I'll just kind of leave it at that. You should know that we have, in the con- in the time that we were talking with Mike Gibbons, confirmed uh, tomorrow's interview with Josh Mandel. That was always the intention, but we got the confirmation during 
this conversation. So you heard from Mike Gibbons today, and if you missed it, you can hear it on my webpage, alwayswrite.us. It'll be loaded up probably within the hour, so you can hear it yourself again if you didn't, if you didn't hear Mike, uh, Mike Gibbons. And then tomorrow, you will hear uh, Josh Mandel live at 935. So I'm looking forward to hearing Josh's side of things as uh, this very contentious race gets a, a little bit more contentious. And by the way, if you want to prep yourself for that interview tomorrow, there's another debate tonight. This one, I guess, is televised. It's being hosted by Fox 8 News, and it's going to be on Fox 8 tonight at 7. So, um, you know, there you go. Just a little opportunity to see them in action, and then you can give us a reaction on my webpage at alwayswrite.us and live on tomorrow's program. Okay, having said all of that, let's uh, take some phone calls. We're going to go first to Joanne, who's waiting in Twinsburg. Joanne, thank you for your patience. Go right ahead. Morning, Bob. Uh, to get back to this Leah Thomas thing, you know, you were talking about, you know, the gems are the party of science. Aren't they supposed to be the party of women? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great I mean, point. But but you but you know what that means, right? To, I mean, if this was a black woman who was number 17, they'd be all over it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but this is what happens when you, uh, you know, with intersectionality, you have one protected class clashing with another protected class. And this is where the left falls apart, because uh, they go, which one do we back? Which one do we defend? Because they, they've intersected with one another. Do we do, do we do, do we uh, support the LGBTQ side with this trans person or do we support women, real women? What do we do? And that's why, for the most part, uh, they kind of sit this whole thing out. Well, of course. I mean, they have no defense. I mean, you know, it's, it's the you know the group of choice on any right. given day. Right. Yeah, Zero it, it, principles. It, re- <laughs> it really is, and and you know, and again, that's when you when you when you run your entire operation, and I'm just trying to think of a better way to say the Democrat right. Party. When you when you <clears throat> kind of build your whole platform on identity politics, and we're going to appeal to this group, and that group, and that group, and that group, specifically by their designation, their their status, their whatever identity or affinity group they belong to, we're going to appeal to all of them and tell them, you're number one, we're looking out for you, and then they battle one another, the Democrats are like, well, what do you, what do, you do now? I don't know what to do. Uh, I mean, we, we've got a black person over here, and a gay person over here, here and a woman over here and a I don't know pick another uh, 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 you know uh, uh, you know what I mean pick another another class and if they're in, in at odds with one another they that's when they become lost and that's well, like why I said, and I, that's you, why Joanne they just point to white people right. and particularly white males and say uh, they're the enemy let's unite all of these different groups together and say we're all opposed to white males that's what we can agree on well I mean like I said what if this scenario was that number 17th person who didn't make the finals was a black woman Yeah right right if that person oh, got no. shut out if that person got shut out of the yeah. finals a, a black real female not a not a pretend right. one right. um yeah <laughs> and I, I can only imagine what they would do Yeah God right, forbid Joanne, thank you I for do the have call. one quick oh, question real Bob Yeah go um ahead. on this districting thing mm-hmm. where do we go to Go against the Supreme Court of the. I mean, where did you know when they overstep? What's our next step? Well, you've got to get rid. You've, in my opinion, you've got to get rid of of, uh, of Supreme Court Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor. And there We're are articles do that before May fifth. No, 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 that won't be able to be done before May fifth. No, there may be third. We got to have some kind of recourse where you go when your Supreme Court's out of line. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, well, you, uh, and the only that, answer to the, the only answer to that in Ohio is there are articles of impeachment that have been introduced to get rid of Maureen O'Connor. She is completely derelict in her duty. She is denying the people the right to have the districts drawn by the redistricting commission as set forth in the Ohio Constitu- Constitution, so that she can draw them herself. She will not be satisfied until uh, she sees what she wants to see, which is in essence her then being the actual drawer of the districts. It's yeah. unconstitutional, and they need to remove her. The problem is the weak, feckless leadership of the Republican Party. Bob yeah. Cup, Bob Cup on the House side, and Huffman on the on the Senate side. They don't have an appetite to take her on, and and also because Mike DeWine supports her. Mike yeah. DeWine supports her, you know, because he doesn't give a rip about these district lines. Um, he, you know, he knows where he sits in the polling for governor. This is not going to impact him very directly, so he supports her. And guess what, Cup. And Huffman and the rest of the Republican leadership will not break their fealty to Mike DeWine. They're cowardly. They're cowardly. And so that's why we don't have anywhere to go. So we're going to end up having probably a split primary. They're going to have some of the uh, some of the uh, ra- uh, uh, races uh, on May third, and then they're probably going to have to wait for the congressional races until those lines are drawn uh, until August. At least that's the yeah. Way and it's then wait till they start up. complaining that we're you know we're not giving people the opportunity to vote because now we're going to make them vote twice. Right. That's a good point too. Oh my God. And not what to mention nightmare. the cost. Then not to mention have the cost. Day, Estimated Bob. to be twenty to thirty million dollars to do a split primary. Thanks very much for the call. For Ohio voters, or rather Ohio taxpayers, it's going to cost you about another 20 to $30 million to have split primaries. I literally read this just yesterday. Um, Ohio voters will not be able to decide on candidates for the state legislature during the May 3rd primary after the Supreme Court struck down the new maps. In a letter to House and Senate leadership... And Mike DeWine, Secretary of State Frank LaRose said it was no longer logistically possible to include district-specific legislative races on the ballots. After mounting a monumental effort over the last few weeks, our bipartisan elections officials were ready to conduct this election on time, as I directed. However, those boards are now left once again without clear districts to certify legislative candidates, and they're simply out of time to complete that required work that must be done to reprogram election systems with new district data. So it sounds like what that means is then they're going to go ahead and have this Senate fight, for example, on May 3rd, because no districts aren't, you know, it's a statewide fight, statewide vote. The districts are irrelevant there, um, but they can't do uh, the races that have the districts where the lines have to be drawn. The commission consists of Secretary of State LaRose, Senate President Huffman, as I mentioned, Speaker Cup, Governor DeWine, State Auditor Faber, House Minority Leader Allison Russo, and Senate Major- uh, Minority Leader Vernon Sykes. And they're the ones who have to do the new maps, apparently by March 29th, and they have to be done publicly for transparency purposes. And this is all you need to know. Quote, this is from the Ohio Star. Democrats applauded the ruling, calling on Republican members of the commission to work with Democrats on the group's fourth attempt at maps. For a third time, the Supreme Court has ruled that the majority party is not above the law, Russo said in a statement, and cannot blatantly disregard the will of the Ohio voters and the Ohio Constitution. Democrats have a state legislative map proposal ready to go that is fair. You're the minority party. You don't get to draw the maps under Ohio law and under the Ohio Constitution that she says closely reflects the statewide voting preferences of Ohioans. No, it doesn't. It is not up to the Republicans to work with you to work on your maps. It is up to you to work with them on their maps. They are the majority party, and this is how it has always worked. 
when you have a majority, then you can go ahead and draw the maps as you wish and tell the Republicans they're going to have to fight and scrap for what they can, but at the end of the day, recognize that the majority party is going to have the advantages in the way these are drawn. Gerrymandering is not in and of itself illegal. It is done in almost every state. And blue states, the, the country over, do this constantly, and nobody stops and says, nope, you have to do this publicly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is Maureen O'Connor, the chief justice, who is supposedly a Republican, just straight up flipping Dem, turning a red state blue, and apparently doing it with the willing assent of Republican leadership. That's you, Cup. That's you, Huffman. Where are you in all of this, Bob Paduchik? What are you fighting for? I haven't heard a peep from you about all of this from the ORP. Where are you? It's simply indefensible is what it is. It is indefensible. Um, John is in Chardon next. Hey, John, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Hey, John. In the Senate race, yes. I like Mike Gibbons the best. When he talks, he he doesn't. You don't hear distortion of his of his opponents like you do many, many others, which means he's mostly on defense. It seems I recall Josh Mandel admitting that he joined the Marines so he could have it on his resume. And Tucker Carlson must like J.D. Vance because he has him on his program quite a, quite a bit. But uh, but Gibbons has experience in the private sector. He owns and runs runs a business. So he'd bring a lot to the table. And as I say, he, what you hear from him is the truth, and he doesn't dis, distort. All right. Well, John, I appreciate your viewpoint on that. Thanks very much. The one thing I would say in response, uh, I, I, I won't challenge anything you said. This is your opinion. And just like I wouldn't challenge anything Charlie said, it's his opinion. I want your opinions. Who you like in the Senate race and whether or not the showdown between Gibbons and Mandel changes that at all. But the one thing I would say is I would, I would stop short of anybody questioning somebody's motives for joining the Marine Corps or joining the military to defend this country. I would never say that about somebody unless I knew, unless somebody said to me out loud, yeah, I only joined the, the, the Corps or the Army or the Navy or whatever so I can get a good, uh, uh, you know, look on my resume for when I run off, run for office. If somebody says that, okay, fine. Until somebody says that out loud, um, I would always, uh, just, the, the default viewpoint is thank you for putting your life on the line for your country. That's the way I see that. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're uh, what branch of the service you're in or anything else. I would never question anyone's motives unless they told me they only joined because, uh, you know, some people join the military just to get the GI Bill. They'll tell you that. I, well, I need to go to college. I don't have the money. I'm going to go use the GI Bill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, get so much of my college paid for by, by serving the country. Okay, good. That's honest. That's fine. But until somebody admits that or says that, then I, uh, I always assume the truest of intentions, which is to defend the country. Okay, uh, 10.52, right back. Understand the commander in chief. The best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, always right with Bob France. And now I'm off to Texas on AM 1420. The answer. You know the you know the thing. Uh, that's our president. That's, I know it's hard to believe, but that's our president. 
I, uh, does he speak for you? Does he mumble and stumble and gurgle and slobber for you? I, I don't know. He, he doesn't really do it for me, but that's our president. Um, we're going to go to John and Berea next. Hey, John, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead, sir. Yes. Uh, on the uh, Will Thomas transgendered swimmer situation, yes. it seems that, that there's a possibility excuse me, There's a possibility that the reason that he, he did this is because he was not winning in, in being the man that he is. He just was coming fourth, fifth, or whatever. He wants to be number one, and he wants to be noticed and get notoriety, and this was, this was a way to, to do it. And so that's that. That was uh, one of my thoughts about that. I wonder if if you think that that's a possibility. In other words, in a in a, in a way, he may be pretending to be a woman in in this because he wants to be able to to win. And uh, that's that's just a thought. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, the 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 rankings i read this a couple of days ago as the national championships were going on um when he was swimming for the university of pennsylvania as a male swimmer he was ranked like i want to say like number 416 in the country in the events right. in which he swam and then he goes over to the women's side and he's literally number 1 um and- which is which is pretty astounding and it does kind of lend some credence to what you are saying and that brings up another uh, real quick thing. Do you think, you know, he lost a couple of races and that came in last. Do you think that there's a possibility that he purposely threw those races because the, because the heat was on, so to speak? You know, a lot of people said that he did that during a meet in the middle of the year. He was winning races by like eight and nine seconds, which in swimming is like, you know, it's a mile, um, is the way it goes. And then, and because he was so dominant, he lost in a final, uh, in the middle of the, the regular swimming season to somebody and there were accusations then that he threw the race just to take some of the heat off uh, so that he, they, you know people wouldn't say, oh, he's a male, he's clearly dominating because he's a male. So um, it's possible, but it's also possible that he's just not that great a swimmer. Uh, you know, that, that he won the one race, one event, but uh, the other one wasn't his strongest, and even women can beat him. Uh, the, the reality is, and thanks for the call, i got to go here, the reality is, the very best women in the world can probably beat some of the really worst or most mediocre male swimmers in the world. Um, that's just the reality of it. Just because you're a man, you aren't automatically conferred with status that means you're going to dominate the women. If you're a really terrible uh, uh, you know, participant at your particular, competitor at your particular sport, it doesn't mean you're going to win every race against the women. However, you have a significant physical advantage of doing so by being male. Joe is in Parma next. Hey, Joe, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, about the uh, Senate primary. Yes, sir. I really, I really liked Bernie Moreno because I met him, and I have no idea why he dropped out. Um, in my opinion, Gibbons actually physically reminds me of Trump, and there's something there about that. However, I'm going to watch that um, debate tonight because I'll never forget how Mike Bloomberg was coming across when he was marketing himself and he seemed like a a really dominant candidate until he got up on stage and got crushed by elizabeth warren and everybody else so i'm gonna wait till i see it for myself see what happens yeah and hopefully the guy i like comes out on top who knows 
Well, I'll tell you what, uh, as far as Bernie Marino, since you asked, uh, uh, Bernie, I think, just uh, saw the numbers and saw he wasn't gaining the traction he needed to polling-wise to really make himself a part of that top two or three and, uh, you know, get a chance to win this thing. So he probably figured, especially since he, like Mike and some of the others, are are really funding their campaigns with a lot of their own personal wealth, he probably just figured, why throw good money after bad? I'll wait and see who really wins this thing, and then I'll support them. Or, Or I think he said, I'll wait and I'll support whoever Trump endorses. I think his actual statement when he dropped out is, I'm going to wait for Trump to pick one of them, and I'll support that person. So that's Bernie's I, side. And it's, Go ahead. You have another thought? I also think of, when I think of Josh Mandel, I do think of him as a career politician above anything else, and, you know, for better or for worse. So that's well, that's what, yeah, that's what, that's what those who are running against him would say too. Uh, that's a criticism he has heard, and I know he's responded to. I've asked him about that, and I will again. And thanks for the call, Joe. I got a jet here. Um, uh, but uh, they've said that about him. And as far as um, uh, Gibbons looking like Trump, there is kind of a, a resemblance there. I understand your point. Uh, and when you see them standing side by side, um, there is something there to that for what it's worth. But thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Again, if you missed the Mike Gibbons interview, uh, it's going to be posted on alwaysright.us very shortly. If you um, um, are interested, and I know you are, you're going to hear a Josh Mandel interview tomorrow at 935 as we get his side of things. Right now, we'll take a time out and get into hour number three coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway. Eight minutes past 11. It's Monday. It's the 21st morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Glad to be getting all these phone calls. People calling in to tell me who their Senate pick is. I uh, can't take phone calls right now because I'm about to have a great interview with a great guest, but I want to encourage you to make use of the website, alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. Click on the sound off button. On the right side of the page, it's big and red, and you can't miss it. You can record your message for me. Tell me who you're voting for in this Senate race or who you favor right now and why. And then all you do is follow the steps there to send it to me. It'll appear right on my screen, and I'll play them and respond to them as time allows. So uh, you don't have to wait on hold. You can use the website, alwayswrite.us. All right, I'll dive into this now. I want to bring our guest on. Um, you know, wokeness has struck so many American companies. It's um, it's it's really a shame. It's embarrassing, and quite frankly, in many cases, it should be deemed illegal. 
racial preference should not be a part of hiring in America. The Civil Rights Act said you cannot discriminate based on the basis of race or on sexual orientation or sex, etc. We all know the drill. And yet that's exactly what's happening to many companies or within many companies, except for the fact that they are allowed to racially discriminate against people who are white, and in many cases, people who are Asian. So apparently, racial discrimination only applies to a certain number of protected races. American Express is the latest. American Express uh, has gone woke. They are uh, uh, enforcing racial hiring quotas, and they are using racism training to uh, indoctrinate, I guess, uh, their employees into the belief systems of American Express. Well, there's an organization pushing back against that, and that is Color Us United. That's the organization founded and represented by Kenny Shu, who joins us now once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Kenny, thanks so much for the time. It's good to have you back. How are you? I'm always great. How are you? Uh, doing well. Doing well. And I always appreciate the chance to talk to you. Kenny is the author of An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence, and The Fight for Meritocracy. We have spoken uh, on a few different occasions, largely about the Harvard case, in which Asian Americans are being discriminated against simply for the purpose of diversifying the campus a little bit more. Uh, but Color Us United, uh, Kenny, is your organization, and you guys have started an ad campaign against uh, American Express. Can you tell us what American Express is doing? Yes. Woke ideology, which started at Harvard with their admissions process, discriminating against whites, discriminating against Asians just to achieve diversity, is now, of course, being propagated across America, including corporate America. And unfortunately, American Express is the tip of the spear of what is going on in corporate America right now. They are giving out promotion and hiring based on race. They're actually, they're, they're giving out bonuses to hiring managers so, who, who hire more black people into their company um, instead of white people, meaning that they're incentivized to fire whites and hire black Americans or other minorities. And this is, this is race. This all this does is create a culture of racial resentment in the company. This uh, creates more division within companies. They also brought in a speaker who conducted a DEI training, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion training, named Khalil Muhammad, who argued that capitalism was racist. <laughs> American Express, a credit card company, arguing that capitalism is racist. All of these policies are policies we need to stand against. Uh, not just for the sake of American Express, but for the sake of our corporate um, ability everywhere. I think you just blew my mind. <laughs> An American bank, a credit credit bank, a credit card company, uh, said that capitalism is racist. That which they uh, uh, rely upon uh, is capitalism to be in business. That is remarkable. As for D-I-E, yeah. or D-E-I rather, I call it D-I-E because it spells die, and I would rather do that because it's truly the death of freedom in this country when you do this. Um, so, so the incentivizing, that's a pretty remarkable thing. Where is the evidence of this uh, coming from, Kenny? Uh, are there whistleblowers inside, or uh, how do we know what's going on? Yeah, 100%. So we partnered with one of the leading journalists in this country, Chris Rufo. Uh, we conducted a subsequent investigation based on some of his reporting. Um, we talked with employees high and low in American Express, and they're confirming the same thing. A culture of racial resentment is being is dominating the company right now. Some employees feel even afraid to criticize 
their black employees. That some executives feel feel fearful to criticize their black employees or to even give negative feedback because they're afraid that they would they would be the target of a complaint of a discrimination complaint. This is how bad it's gotten within the company because of these trainings, uh, because of these specifically preferential policies, because of cancel culture within the company. Um, so yeah, this has this has been coming from high and low, um, but it is propagated. This whole woke corporatism is being propagated directly from the CEO, Steve Squarey, who is totally in league ideologically um, with this divisive philosophy. You know what's troubling to me, uh, Kenny? We're talking with Kenny Shu. He is the president of uh, Colorist United uh, and the author of a very important book, uh, An Inconvenient Minority. What's troubling is what you just described is what's going on in our public schools. Um, there are teachers and there are uh, uh, assistant principals and others in charge of discipline who are afraid to discipline and to hold accountable for their actions a number of minority students for fear of being branded uh, as being you know bigoted, uh, targeting them for their race, picking on them because of their race, treating them unfairly because of their race, and then that's individually and then statistically um, because there are more more African Americans in many urban center schools being suspended and disciplined in harsher ways, suspended and or expelled or expelled, excuse me, uh, then there are whites that that indicates racial bias in discipline being applied. If it's happening in the schools, it should not be a surprise that it's it's just you know advancing up to corporate America, or in the reverse, it's tripling trickling down. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I mean, this is the um, this is the culmination of a philosophy that has been brewing, you know, for the last fifty years. Right? It started off in Harvard Law School, critical race theory, everything like that. Teachers' colleges, Columbia Teachers College, it bureaucratized itself into the federal government, saying, no, the federal government has to have hiring quotas. You have to hire a certain number of minorities. You have to hire a certain percentage of women. And, uh, and then, you know, it became a whole industry. Now there's diversity consultancies making $1,500 an hour um, just, just, just to teach about, you know, just to divide corporations. So I always like to say that this is a parasitic ideology, right? You invite in the parasite. In this case, the parasite is DEI. The parasite is these offices of diversity, equity, and inclusion. They foment, they foment um, racial division within your company, and they slowly take it over. And that's what's happening, although at an accelerated pace, at American Express. I have uh, heard from at least a couple business owners uh, with whom I am acquainted who said as soon as they saw this, they are not going to accept American Express's payment any longer. They're disassociating from them. Is that the goal of Colorist United in your campaign? That would be yes. And also, um, so we, we just uh, embarked on a very large ad campaign, um, an action campaign, actually, that your listeners can participate in. Um, we know that these policies that American Express are doing, these racially divisive policies, are actually un-American. And, um, in fact, American Express has proven that they are unworthy of the name upon which their card is printed. So we actually debuted with a new website, unamericanexpress.com, unamericanexpress. Um, and we invite users and listeners to go to unamericanexpress.com and sign our petition to ask investors to disinvest from Un American Express. Furthermore, 
when you're just at a dinner table conversation and someone pulls out their American Express card, you can say, oh, you know, that's cool. You have your un-American Express card. And they say, what are you talking about? And they say, well, they have these huge divisive race-based policies. You can go to unamericanexpress.com to find out. Um, so we're in the process of showing the, pu- showing the company the public frustration uh, with what is going on in, within their walls. Um, as you're speaking, I went to it. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, I see the petition. I will sign it maybe when I go into a commercial break. Uh, sign to let Un- Un-American Express know that their race-based policies are harmful and divisive. And uh, and they certainly are all of those things. And the, the question is, though, how big of a movement would it have to be to get them to change their practice? How I, I don't know. Comparative to Visa and MasterCard or whatever, I don't know how large this com- this uh, company is and how many people would actually have to, to sign this petition, petition to get them to change policies once they've gone all full woke. Look, they're a multi-billion dollar organization. It's going to take a lot of people, but we've never shied away from taking on billion dollar organizations before. We Good. took on the Salvation Army for peddling critical race theory. We won $3.4 billion organization. We lowered their fundraising. Uh, they're forced to rescind their anti-racism document last December. We know that we, we're pretty confident we can do the same thing with American Express. But ordinary Americans have to get involved. They have to make their voices known. We're not just going to do nothing with these signatures. We're going to send them over to investors um, who, are, who are invested in American Express, state pension funds, telling them, what are you doing investing in this un-American company? And the voices of tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands will get them to uh, surrender these policies. Wow, well, I, I certainly hope so. This is a this is a great cause, and I love the fact that you're right. You you took on the Salvation Army, and uh, uh, when you're taking on giants like this, it really takes a concerted effort. I'm glad to be able to share this, and I will share this on my webpage as well, so that I can uh, continue to drive more people to joining the cause here. This is this is so destructive, and people think, or maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. They just don't understand, or they're not paying attention. They they probably don't think that a company's policies like this that foment racial division and hatred and animosity and, as you say, resentment, uh, particularly when there's an incentive, a financial incentive for hiring managers to hire one race over another, that that doesn't bleed into the communities, that the people don't take that home with them after they get off work, that they don't talk about it with their friends and neighbors and, and other family members and it causes problems. This kind of cultural divide is, you know, what I thought we were trying to stop. We were trying to bring everybody back together and not drive them further apart. Exactly, exactly. Ultimately, what we want, we just want a society where people are treated on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Hmm. I wonder who said that. Um, that. That's the true vision of civil rights in this country. But it's become corrupt. It's gotten corrupted. Now it is about propagating victimhood mentalities to get unmerited preferences on behalf of you and your group. That's tribalism. That's something we have to avoid as a country. American Express or Un-American Express campaign is, is, is our biggest effort to show that Americans do not support corporations politicizing their workplace with divisive identity politics, and you can take a stand at unamericanexpress.com. Well, I'm so uh, I'm so glad to have you tell us about this. You know, it's funny you mentioned the MLK quote there, obviously, and that used to be the gold standard. That used to be the the goal that we all had was, you know, for for our kids to uh, dine together and not be judged on the color of their skin, but rather on the content or the character. And now here we are, sixty year plus years later, and and literally they're saying that color blindness is tantamount to systemic racism. 
that if you are colorblind, you are clearly intentionally closing your eyes to all of the trials and travails and the oppression that people of color have and they face in this country. I, I don't understand how that happened in the matter in the course of six decades. Yeah, look, we've replaced Martin Luther King with Ibram X. Kendi, <laughs> who said that the only oh, that way hurts. to stop discri- present discrimination is future discrimination. Right. Uh, so we have to discriminate by discriminating in the reverse idea. A two wrongs don't make a right, guys. It doesn't. And uh, furthermore, what you're doing is not helping black Americans. In fact, it's hurting them. I mean, preventing negative feedback and filling a culture of fear, you know, that's only going to increase racial resentment and stereotyping against black Americans when these explicit preferential policies are predicated upon upon it. So you have to stop this um, for the sake of every American, every white American, every black American, every Asian American. That's what we stand for at Colorist United, coloristunited.org. Coloristunited.org, and again, uh, unamericanexpress.com as well. That was calm, right, on Un-American Express. Yeah, go to right. unamericanexpress.com. That that's where you can sign this petition. Yeah. That's right. I just want to make sure I get them later if you want. Yeah, I just wanted to make yeah. sure I keep those separate there. There's colorusunited.org, but unamericanexpress.com and I think both those places are worth visiting and make sure you sign that petition, which I'm going to do when we sign off. Kenny Shu, thank you so much for coming on and bringing uh, 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 to this to our attention and uh, continued success with the book An Inconvenient Minority. Very important read for everyone. Thank you, Kenny. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, that's Kenny Shu. Uh, and if you don't know, if you're looking for his book or you're looking more about him, his last name is XU. He's a Chinese American, uh, so it's that's how you, that's how you spell Shu. Just an FYI. Or you can just look for his book, "An Inconvenient Minority: The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy." All right, uh, I'm going to take a short time out here so that I can go ahead and log back on to uh, unamericanexpress.org. Uh, or I'm sorry, unamericanexpress.com. Beg your pardon and uh, sign this petition because we need to tell American Express and every other woke company uh, that racism is unacceptable no matter who is being victimized by it. I'll be right back. When you need real news, write meow. All right, meow. And no will license and registration. Turn to Always Right. Hurry up, meow. With Bob France. No buts, meow. On AM 1420. All right, meow, where were we? The answer. Every few weeks, you, Josh is throwing a show someplace. And, uh, you know, he, was in, he debated uh, a Democrat uh Senate candidate a few weeks ago, and, and it turned into a show. Uh, he's been thrown out of a board meeting physically. Uh, he was thrown out of a of a fundraiser in Florida. It's always Josh Mandel thrown out of some place, and it's you know it's a physical thing with him that you know, people are escorting him out. And uh, frankly, I think he's a bit unhinged. That was Mike Gibbons earlier in the broadcast during uh, hour number two, uh, talking about his face to face uncomfortable showdown with Josh Mandel on a debate stage on Friday night. Um, So we gave uh, Mike a chance to talk about it. We're going to talk to Josh tomorrow at 9.35. We did get a note from Josh. Josh is claiming that he did not call Mike Gibbons a P-word for female, uh, female anatomy. He is claiming that Mike Gibbons used that word to him. Now, I wasn't there, and I certainly didn't have my ear up on the stage, 
Uh, I'm looking at multiple reports, though, from Breitbart, from Grabian, and others that have declared that it was Josh who called Mike Gibbons the P-word while threatening him and saying, you wait and see what happens. You'll see what happens. That's the way it's being reported. Like I said, I'm just, I'm an observer like you are. I was not at that event. Um, I will be watching very closely tonight on my TV screen because there was another debate, a Senate debate on Fox 8 News. So it'll be very interesting, just, you know, three nights apart. Um, we'll have round two, and hopefully not, quite literally, hopefully not. I don't want anything like that to be repeated again. I don't, I don't want conservative Republicans resorting to tactics like that, um, you know, in order to try to score points, political points. It's unbecoming. It is, uh, it's irresponsible, and I don't want to see it. Uh, I just have too many res- too much respect for the voters of this state to have to be, you know, treated to that kind of thing. Now, again, I gave Mike Gibbons, uh, you know, his turn today, and Mike said, "Look, uh, he accused me of things that were not tr- not accurate, and if there were things that were accurate, it was completely out of context." And oh, by the way, he's doing the same thing. This is with respect to Chinese investments. Um, he said, but the bottom line is, uh, he got up and I thought he was going to hit me. And I was in a, a, a mode where um, I was very concerned because I didn't know what was about to have happen. Uh, Josh got up and did go chest to chest with Mike Gibbons when it was Mike Gibbons' time to speak. That's all I can kind of confirm. The rest of what, and plus, again, what the tapes, tape showed, or what the tape heard or, or, or sounded, if you understand the meaning. Um, but uh, the reporting is... And I thought it was that way as well, that the, the slur there, the profanity, the profane term for female anatomy, which is generally used as a, a euphemism for wimp, um, I thought Josh said it. Multiple reports said Josh said it. But Josh says, nah, Mike said that. So I don't know where to go with that other than to have you watch the video for yourself and listen closely and decide. You can do so at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. You will also be able to hear the entire Gibbons interview, if you missed it, coming up here probably within the next 20 minutes uh, so that you can, uh, again, sound off on that. Use the sound off button on my page, and we'll put your thoughts on the radio. All right, 11.30, time for news. Uh, I've got time for your phone calls between now and the end of the broadcast, so dial us up, 216-901-0945. Who are you favoring right now in this Senate race and why? 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Right back. Okay, 11.35. Thanks for being with us on AM 14.20, The Answer. So, uh, yeah, it's the debate that won't go away with respect to what I just told you about. Uh, Mike Gibbons and Josh Mandel and their uh, their face-to-face dispute, to be mild, on Friday. Uh, here's another one, the Politico report. Politico reporter Nat- Natalie Allison, who was covering this event, said, quote, this is on Twitter, this is not an episode of Jerry Springer, it's tonight's Ohio Republican Senate debate. Quote, you're dealing with the wrong guy, Mandel says to Gibbons before calling him a P-word. I told you Breitbart had it that way, so did Grabian. But Josh, 
uh, is uh, apparently uh, very adamant that he did not say that, that this is something that Mike Gibbons said to him. So we'll talk to Josh on tomorrow's program. Meanwhile, J.D. Vance, kind of sitting there in a catbird seat of sorts on the stage on Friday night in this uh, debate uh, panel hosted by FreedomWorks, which, by the way, supports J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance won this debate or won this panel, according to FreedomWorks, but uh, it's my understanding that FreedomWorks has endorsed J.D. Vance, so there may or may not be some some play there. But J.D. Vance, sitting in the catbird seat watching uh, Gibbons, who's in the lead in the polls, and Mandel, who's second, watching them go at one another, took full advantage after that little spat, saying this. Yeah, so before I answer that question, I just got to comment on what we just saw. Uh, look, as the only other person who served his country in uniform, uh, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. My mamaw had six grandchildren, and three of them enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. I think the way you use the U.S. Marine Corps, Josh, is disgraceful. It's not like- was to be a U.S. Senator, and he's up here, pull me back, pull me back, i got two tours in the Marine Corps, what a joke, answer the question, stop playing around, now let's see, Russia and Ukraine. Wow, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's some pretty strong stuff from J.D. Vance, he said, I've never seen anybody use the Marine Corps, I think was the phrasing there, uh, or I think the way you use the Marine Corps is what it was, is disgraceful, apologize, he said, I think the way you use the Marine Corps is disgraceful. Uh, he went on to say that you cannot just say, hold me back, hold me back, because I did two, do, did two tours in Iraq. So J.D. Vance took advantage of that opportunity there. Obviously, Mike Gibbons characterized it the way he did on the program this morning, and we'll see what Josh has to say tomorrow. And, you know, all of this may be moot by tomorrow morning's broadcast when we talk to Josh Mandel, because they have another go at it tonight. Again, on Fox 8 News, it's going to be at 7 o'clock. And... um I'm going to be watching it very, very closely, and I'm going to be I'm going to be recording it too, so that if I have to slow down the tape to try to figure out who said what, which is what they are doing in this case, uh, as I noted, you know, the accusation is that one said it, the other one says the other one said it. If we got to do that, we should probably be pre- be prepared for that. But if you missed what um, uh, what Mike Gibbon said to me this morning, this was it. Every few weeks, you, Josh is throwing a show someplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he was in, he debated uh, a Democrat uh, Senate candidate a few weeks ago, and, and it turned into a show. Uh, he's been thrown out of a board meeting physically. Uh, he was thrown out of a of a fundraiser in Florida. It's always Josh Mandel thrown out of some place, and it's you know it's a physical thing with him that you know, people are escorting him out. And uh, frankly, I think he's a bit unhinged. He said, frankly, I think he's a bit unhinged. Earlier on, I think I think he uh, said the word nutcase. So, uh, again, politics are ugly. Politics are contentious. Uh, and when two people are fighting, like I said, I, re- I said in the opening of the show, if you think back to the 2020, rather the 2016, beg your pardon, the 2016 debate stages, uh, numerous times, Donald Trump, Carly Fiorina's ugly, Ugly. So is Rand Paul. He referred to Rand Paul as being hard to look at. Uh, Lion Ted Cruz, sweaty little Marco. Sometimes people who are maybe more united on the issues and on the policies and on the ideology 
Put all of that aside when it comes time to fight for the same office, and it gets personal, and it gets ugly. I hate to see it, but I know it's just kind of a, the nature of the beast. If you're into politics, um, you know you you have to come to expect that. But uh, I think that's what happened here. I think uh, uh, you know two guys who probably would be friends ordinarily. If you missed the interview, by the way, I did say this too. I asked uh, um, uh, Mike Gibbons. I said, "Did you ever have any animosity with Josh Mandel before this?" And he said, "No." He said he supported him in his treasurer's campaign. He's always thought of him as a nice uh, thought of him as a nice guy. He said maybe until now he said he thinks he's a little bit unhinged, kind of a nutcase. So you know it's it's really unfortunate again because I think there are some good candidates in this race, and I think there are some good people who are far more conservative than Rob Portman ever was, and I'm glad for the chance to upgrade there. Uh, but I just hate to see this kind of uh, this kind of thing break out. And since we're on it, uh, I should probably finish the story of the other kind of toe-to-toe situation uh, that happened um, uh, that happened at the Ohio Beef Expo on on uh, a Saturday. And this is a little bit of a showdown, if you will, between Joe Blystone, candidate for governor, primary candidate, who says he wants to get rid of Mike DeWine. And also uh, Jim Renacci, who wants to get rid of Mike DeWine. But Blystone was at the Beef Expo, and so was Governor DeWine. Blystone made a beeline, according to the reporting from the Ohio uh, Press Network, made a beeline for Mike DeWine to say, why won't you debate? Referring to the fact that DeWine has declined an invitation from the Ohio Debate Commission to have a gubernatorial debate between or among the three challengers, Renacci and Blystone, and of course the incumbent DeWine. Uh, Blystone made a beeline for him, asked him that, and according to Blystone, uh, Mike DeWine threatened him. According to, Bly- <laughs> I know this is bizarre, but this is Ohio politics right now. This is the way Joe Blystone told the story on his Facebook page. Hi guys, how are we doing today? Hey, uh, we're down here at the uh, Beef Expo, down here at the uh, State Fairgrounds in Columbus. And uh, uh, guess who showed up down here? Thinking that he has uh, he has support in the uh, agricultural community, uh, Mike DeWine. Uh, I, uh, I got the opportunity to uh, uh, get up close and personal with uh, Mr. Mike DeWine. And... Uh, I asked him why, uh, why he wouldn't debate me here at the end of the month. He said that everybody knows where he stands on his policies. And uh, I said, well, everybody wants you on the stage with me. How come you won't debate me? And uh, he was all flustered, the little, little guy. Uh, he got so flustered, uh, he got real close and personal with me. He grabbed my arm and he said he was going to kick my ass. All right, I'm going to cut it there because the audio is uh, very loud there at the Beef Expo. Uh, hopefully you were able to make out uh, Joe Blystone's voice in that. But he said, I asked him why he wouldn't debate. He said, everybody in Ohio already knows my positions. And he said, well, why won't you get on a stage with me? He claimed uh, DeWine grabbed his arm, got really close to him, and said he was going to kick his A. That's the accusation from Joe Blystone. Now, I will tell you this, I wasn't there either. But I have a hard time believing that little, teeny, tiny, weak-spined Mike DeWine would be threatening anybody with kicking anybody's tail. Does Joe Blystone have a little bit of a problem with the truth? Does he have a hard time understanding it? Sometimes it may be, uh, it may be viewed that way. 
particularly when you look at the recent audit that was sent to his campaign indicating 20 pages of campaign finance questions and potential violations. We're head, we'll hit all of that again tomorrow morning and give you the latest on the Senate fight as well. Hopefully it will be a debate and not an actual fight tonight. Thanks to Jim Jordan. Thanks to Mike Gibbons. Thanks to Kenny Shu, my guest today. Thanks Enjoy to you for listening. Enjoy the debate tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon.